Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hi, Tamara. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you about um, your well, your new programme, Eat the Screen, Films to Feed Conversations About Food, um, which is taking place at the Barbican. And um, I wondered if you could maybe just start by talking about the programme and, and the project a bit more broadly, maybe how it came about. Absolutely. Well, um, I first started thinking about the project during the pandemic. Um, I think like quite a lot of people in that period, I was thinking a lot more about food than I ever had previously. I'd always loved food and cooking, but it became a real focus. And on some days, cooking would make the only difference between one day and the next. And so I was quite interested to discover what kind of lay at the intersection of my two main interests, which are food and film. And I started research on the project really then, watching a lot of different kinds of food films, uh, short form, um, things made especially for the internet, and then long form fiction and uh, documentary films. And really, it was a process of sifting through hundreds and hundreds of films, really, when you stop to think about short films as well, uh, to find the ones that I thought were the best and that also deserved a, a big screen presentation. And the films I've ended up with um, the majority of them are documentaries, which in a way reflects the kind of reading and thinking I've been doing about food, which on the one hand is current affairs, news, that kind of thing. And on the other, um, non-fiction, I suppose mainly I'm thinking of uh, recipe books, cookbooks that I read that are partway between uh, memoir and travelogue, but with some recipes thrown in. So I was looking for some film content that would be analogous to that kind of non-fiction reading I was doing. And so that was also how I went about pre-selecting uh, the films for the season. And we've ended up with a, with a huge range of films on different topics, um, from food waste uh, to a cooperative uh, supermarket, uh, from people foraging in, in, in the mountains in China to people tapping for maple syrup in Canada. So it, it, they are films to feed a conversation, but also just to answer a basic curiosity that we have about food and where it comes from and, and how people are, are cooking and preparing food in different parts of the world. And they do, they offer such like a rich um, sort of tapestry of different elements and, and different ideas and just different thoughts around this like really broad subjects there's such a variety which I, I love and I think people will enjoy and that's to follow that up I have a very probably challenging question for you but is there a particular 
um, film or a moment in one that you would like to highlight and why? Not a favourite, but just a, just a, a moment maybe you could bring out for people. I mean, I think of all the films in the season, the one I come back to most in my head is Food Co-op. That's a documentary from 2016 about um, a cooperative supermarket in Park Slope in Brooklyn, New York. And essentially it's, it's an owner, a member run organization. So to shop there, you have to also work there for two and three quarters hours every four weeks. Um, and decisions are made at a monthly annual meeting. And basically the film takes you inside the supermarket to show you how it runs and to show you the community of people uh, that have grown up around it essentially as shoppers, but also workers. But it's far more than that. They have a whole, if you go onto their website, they have a whole events program. They have a monthly film screening. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful community that they've gathered around this, um, this shop. And I think about it often when I make my sort of twice weekly, fairly grim standard <laughs> shopping trip to a big supermarket. It does make me think about how, how different things might be. I mean, this, this shop is so well loved that people will queue up for 40 minutes at the checkout uh, to pay for their, for their groceries. And some people will come from, from cross town on public transport. They'll go two hours there and two hours back on public transport to shop there. There's even one person who comes in from Connecticut uh, once a month. I mean, it just shows you that, you know, there's obviously something uh, really fundamentally appealing about the experience that we're, you know, totally lacking in a, in a standard supermarket type setup. Um, it's just something nice about bumping up against people around food, which is something we do less and less of in supermarkets. You know, we're picking out our, our produce by ourselves. We're now even, you know, manning the checkouts ourselves. But this, this film shows you what an alternative might be. And I also suppose it, 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 it's one where you can apply it quite directly to your own life. And um, we've talked a bit about this, but I'm also curious within that idea of the experience of food and the many different experiences one can have with it, how you thought about communicating that through a screen. So whether that's the sensory experience or like, was that something you considered? Cause it's in the sort of title of the program itself. And um, was that something you approached or thought about when selecting films, what kind of experience you wanted viewers to have through a screen about something that's quite sensory? Yes, I mean, I should say, when I've been talking about this season to friends and, and family, they will often say, well, are you showing Eat, Drink, Man, Woman? Or are you showing Tampopo? And each time I've had to say no, and, and it's it's been reluctantly because um, I love these films. And um, cinema does have a, a history of wonderful feasting scenes. And a, 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 I mean, it always falls short inevitably, but you know, of, of trying to convey the sensory experience of eating, cinema has its moments and doesn't do badly. Um, but this season is different. The focus is more on the issues behind the films and less on the kind of the eating on screen. Um, but honestly, I could have programmed this season 10 times over. I've had to leave out uh, many personal favorites. I'd say Eat, Drink, Man, Woman is in my top 10 films of all time. It was heartbreaking, truly heartbreaking to leave it out. But um, yeah, the, the, the emphasis of the season eventually went elsewhere. 
And then, I mean, you've touched on it a bit already, but do you do you think that, you know, how, how do you think that food holds connotations and can be a signifier for other things and for other other aspects of our existence? Once you start thinking about it, food just has so many meanings um, and far too many really to do justice to in a, a season of you know eight to ten films but we've tried really hard or I've tried hard to pick films that do cover a lot of quite a lot of meanings so you know food as cultural inheritance um, you know the some of the political ramifications of food um, food as community uh, you know, the shared joy of, of, of food. Um, there are so many meanings. Food is a, a way out of poverty, as a livelihood, as a craft. I mean, the, the, the meanings are, are multiple once you start thinking about it. And I suppose actually to, to dig more into that, there, there are several um, uh, film works that look at the processes within food and consumption and farming and sourcing and sourcing produce and obviously then it's it's environmental impact and do you think this uh subject can actually even be explored without some level of engagement in it in that I mean it was really important to me that the season um chime with contemporary conversations we're having in society broadly about um, biodiversity loss, climate change, uh, patterns of consumption, and so on, but also to avoid um, too many kind of overtly campaigning films. Um, so the best example is probably a film we're showing right at the end of the season, August, called Meat. It's a documentary made in 1976 by the filmmaker Frederick Wiseman. Of course, you know, you would watch this film as a vegan and might find <laughs> reasons uh, reasons for enjoying it and finding an endorsement of your own views in it. But it is not a film uh, that says you should stop eating meat. It is a film that just shows you from uh, the cattle herding at the beginning of the film to the end of the film where a truck draws out onto the highway full of tubes of minced beef. It just shows you unrelentingly the stages in that process um, whereby an animal becomes a consumer product. And just by showing you inevitably, it starts, uh, starts a, a chain reaction in your head and it starts, to, it starts you thinking about what it means to eat meat uh, ethically. Um, and also um, to, to make meat. <laughs> but it's not a campaigning film uh, about on that subject at all. It's just showing you the way things are. And also, I suppose, even just the presentation of people sourcing things from, from the land, you know, from spaces, you, you get an idea of just the amount and it, it just makes people think even without intent. But did, was there a balance that you, you kind of mentioned that there was a, was there a balance that you tried to strike with with that kind of um I don't know teaching preaching things like that yes I mean I didn't I didn't want to um how can I put it to have too many films about happy organic farmers for instance um I do have a film that sort of is is about uh, four small-scale market gardeners in Italy um and they're all um, opposing big corporate agribusiness in their different ways. 
Um, but it's not, again, it's, it's, it's not a film that's hitting you over the head with a message about organic uh, food. Um, I think it is advocating for um, more traditional uh, farming practices closer to nature and so on, but it's not a, a campaigning film and you're, it doesn't have a voiceover narration. Uh, it has no kind of, um, it builds to no kind of summary, big summary at the end. You're left with your own thoughts um, at the end of the film. That film's called Villains. And then I also think that one of the, well, for me, at least, especially with this subject and from my experience of the films on the programme, that there, there's the, obviously there's this other idea of um, how food can unify and educate people about different cultures and experiences and backgrounds and just how rich it is as a means of connecting people to other countries, other communities. Um, so I suppose, how do you think food can bring people together or how, how you know, how do the films explore that? I think there are a lot of there are a lot of films that um, that explore the idea of um, community identity being tied up in food. An example of that is Dulce, which is about clam digging in Colombia and about a small community of, of people whose livelihood is based on that and about one little girl who has to learn to swim in order to join her family on these clam digging um, uh, missions. Um, there's also a really interesting film that is sort of it's on the borderline between an artist film and an ethnographic documentary and it's about a particular ethnic minority group in Taiwan who are um, looking for snails you know giant snails to eat and it's part of their sort of cultural inheritance and the continuity of their culture that they're going out to to look for snails and then cooking them up and in, in the film you hear them speaking their particular language as they're doing it. So there's, there's a lot of, of films about food and community in that sense. And then there's a really wonderful documentary called um, Come Back Anytime, which is about a community of people that builds up around this very, very special ramen shop in Tokyo um, that's been running for something like 40 years in just two locations. And it's a, a husband and wife team who, who cook uh, noodles for you right there in the restaurant. It's a tiny place, like the size of a living room. And over the years, um, they've built, built up a, a clientele of real ramen aficionados. Um, and some of them have become friends. And the guy who runs the restaurant, he has a market garden on the edge of Tokyo. And he takes his, his best customers, he takes them up there to help him on the on the farm and he takes them on these special uh, trips to forage for wild yams and bamboo shoots. And it's it's wonderful. I mean, it's more than, I mean, first of all, there's the joy of sharing uh, his food with his customers, but also it's, it's made a wonderful life for him outside of the restaurant. He's made a, a, a group of friends, a real community uh, out of a job. Um, and it's, this film was made by an American director who's based in Tokyo and uh, he said that his his reason for making the film is is wanting to capture the the feeling of that community of people it was acknowledged by them in the film as being something incredibly special and he was so keen to try and capture it on film and uh, he his friend was uh, introduced him to, to the restaurant his friend was one of these special customers who go on the special trips and it was that way that he got to know 
the restaurant owners and made and made the film. And I think he's done a very good job at conveying what a special place it is. But also how I mean how personal that I I love the yeah the, these these personal elements to stories and how because of because it's all it's such a human experience in in essence when you take it back to the food like um it's a means of connecting to to all of these different people through a screen which I think is also an interesting um layer to it as well and that also actually brings me I wanted to ask you personally if there's um a memory that you have of your own where food has held importance or had an impact um I can say that about 10 years ago, before I joined the Barbican, um, I went to volunteer on, on an Italian organic farm in the Marche region. My plan had actually been to, to do this for a year and tour Italy working on different organic farms. Um, and obviously I, I, I grew up in, in a flat in a city without a garden. And for most of my adult life, I'd been living in an urban center of, of one sort or another. So this is my real first real experience of living on a farm and uh, behind the farmhouse there was a big cherry tree and I think eating cherries um, from fresh from a tree that's an experience that's unforgettable but inevitably on an Italian farm there are so many food memories for me there. They made their own ricotta and pecorino cheeses and I used to sleep, my bedroom was next door to the pecorino store which, which was fun and also they they milked their flock of sheep by hand and um, at a certain point in the year a load of Sardinian shepherds turn up they they go up and down the Italian main ha- mainland um, shearing sheep for different farmers they've an, um, a reputation of, of being you know very good with sheep as well as being very tough there's something like um something like the reputation that Glaswegians have for us, <laughs> Sardinians have in Sicily, um, in, in Italy. And yeah, these, these Italian uh, Sardinian shepherds turned up and we had a big kind of celebratory lunch uh, on the day of the shearing, which was, you know, um, because the farm was fairly near the Adriatic coast, that meant lots of um, seafood and lots of um, very, very small crabs. So it was, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful experience. <laughs> yeah, that sounds magical. <laughs> I wasn't quite that level of layered sort of elements. That's wonderful. I um, yeah. let's all go and do that, please. I thoroughly recommend it. I was ironically, I was recalled from this um, because I got the job at the Barbican. Uh, otherwise, I may have, you know, lived out. Uh, an entirely different year Um, and it was funny because when I got back um, to start my job I still had one very dirty finger because I'd I'd been uh, using a hand scythe to scythe the grass between um, the vines in the vineyard and earth had got kind of um, kind of ground into my index finger and there I was having to shake the hands of all these uh, dignitaries as I started a new job I had one very very dirty finger anyway I love that the mark you've been marked by the passion that you were then exploring you were you were were, were true a true dedication I think I think that's that's, that only gives you more kudos Um, well thank you so much tomorrow I've so loved talking to you about all of this and um, I urge people to go and check out the program and um, starts from 1st of July so you're already underway and 
um, I just wanted to ask you one last question as always, which is, is there a song you'd like to play out to and why? Well, gosh, I, I know very, very little about um, music, I confess, being a bit of a film nerd, um, but the one food kind of uh, song that I could think of was uh, Black Coffee by Peggy Lee. Um, maybe that will be all right. <laughs> that will be more than all right. We've, it won't be the first time we played Peggy Lee and I'm a huge fan of hers and I think that will be a, a wonderful energy to go out to. So thanks again. And uh, here's Peggy Lee. <laughs>